Hi, it's Molly. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Excel Books Podcast. I believe you're in for a treat. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Excel Books Podcast. It's your favorite host, Molly. On my show, we like to talk about work, family, and life. If you are new to my channel and you're like, I don't know, the year is ending and I just thought I'd find something to listen to, uh, welcome to my show. If you want to know more about me, what do I do, why am I here, all that jazz, please visit me on the web at xelbooks.com. You'll find out all of the services that I offer. Who am I in a nutshell? I am a mommy, I'm an entrepreneur, and my heartbeat is to help people thrive in their business by providing services. So if you want to know more about that and how I do it and what do I do, please visit me on the web. Okay, I'm going to jump right in and I'm going to start by saying this. The year is almost over. Can you believe it? Like, I am so ready. When I tell you I'm ready for 2022 to go away, like, you ever had one of those days where you're like, okay, you ever had a pimple and the pimple is sitting there and you're like, okay, I have popped it, I've moisturized it, I've done everything, but the scar of it is still there. And you're like, go away, pimple, like I don't want to see it. That's how I feel about 2022 right now. Um, And I don't know, maybe for you, 2022 was a fantastic year. But for me, it was like, oh my gosh, this felt like 2020. Like in a way, like it wasn't the pandemic part of it, but it was like, why is all this mess going on? So I am like looking forward with a big like Cheshire Cat smile of the of twenty twenty two ending. So it is going to end tomorrow is New Year's Eve and I cannot wait. And so I entitled today's message by twenty twenty two. Um and I did it that generic because I want to cover a couple things. I want to talk with you about preparing for the new year. I want to talk to you about mindset of um the current year, you know, as you get ready to close it out. And, you know, hopefully these things will help you, you know, uh, prepare and, and really face the next year with a really bright spot in your mind. So let's start with this whole New Year's resolution thing. And you guys know my stance. If you're, if you have been listening to me for a while, you know how I feel about these resolutions. I'm not a resolution person. I don't do New Year's resolutions. Why, Molly? Why don't you do them? They're popular. They're nice. What's wrong with doing that? There's nothing wrong with making a resolution. Resolutions themselves are very powerful because it it signifies that you've made a decision and that you're going to add action to it. And it's kind of like drawing your line in the sand on a certain topic or an area. And for that reason, I think the topic of resolution itself is a beautiful, wonderful thing. But I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. Why? Because that to me means that I'm waiting for a specific date to make a decision. I'm letting a time frame dictate when I can begin something. I'm letting a marker of the year indicate whether or not I get to move forward in an area or not. 
And that's not something that I believe in. I believe that if you're going to make a decision, do it right then. If you're talking to your 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 spouse or your friend and you're like, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to stop eating all this junk food. Why wait until a clock turns to decide if you're going to do it? Do it now. Do it that very moment. Like commit, commit, you can do it. Now, why am I saying to do this right now? Why am I saying to not wait? What's the harm in waiting till another day? The biggest thing for me is if you make a date the marker in which you're going to begin something, then you can always push that date. It's really not a commitment. This is why so many people with New Year's resolutions will start something and then they're like, okay, well, maybe the first week of the new year. Oh, the second week of the new year. Okay, well, I'm going to do it. I know I said I'm going to do it, but I'm going to wait one more day, one more day, one more day. And you never really get to it because as long as the date hasn't happened, then you don't have to commit. That's one of the reasons. The other reason, and I don't mean to be kind of dark about it, but tomorrow is not promised to anyone. It just isn't. Your life is precious. So why wait? Why waste it? Why uh, sit back and be like, okay, well, I'm going to wait for three weeks from now before I do something. Okay, what if you're not here in three weeks? You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, my prayer is that you live a very long life, that you're healthy, that you never have the slightest issue ever, that you have healthy children and healthy, uh, healthy finances and all of that stuff. But you don't know what's going to happen. And sometimes it's not even something that happens to you personally. Sometimes it's something that happens to your loved ones that hinders you from doing things. Um, I was watching a film the other day about this person who was really, they were making all these commitments. They were going to do these things. You know, they're going to start a business. They're going to um, lose weight. They're going to go travel the world. They're going to do all these things. And they were going to do it starting in like six months. And then one of their loved ones got sick. And they're the only person that was there to care for them. So what started off as a really nice idea became an impossibility for several years. Because they couldn't afford to go travel the world because no one else was there to care for their loved one. They didn't have time to go to the gym because their loved one needed their care every single day. And they couldn't afford to get CNAs and and all this stuff. So they're just like, okay, I have to be here. How sad would that be to have a resolution that you can't start because you put it off because you were certain that you have tomorrow to begin and then not get to it. And so me, I don't want to wait because life isn't promised. Tomorrow isn't promised. I want to make the most of every single day. And for me, that means if I decide today that I am going to write the book, I'm writing the pages right now. I may not finish the book today, but I'm writing those pages. Kind of like when I did the, um, I actually released a book. And I think I talked to you about it in my last episode. But I released a book about two or three weeks ago, like two weeks before Christmas, called The Family Tree. And this is something that has been inspired um, by my mother-in-law. And, and I'm saying this so that you understand how, you know, 
how these resolutions work in my mind and how I think you can apply them and why you don't want to wait. So my mother-in-law, who I have to say is the most amazing mother-in-law I could ever have, she's just fabulous. Oh my gosh. She's strong. She's an entrepreneur. She's positive. She's friendly. She's a giving person. She's um, someone who loves God with all of her heart. Um, she literally models the way before us. And um, not to mention, she's absolutely gorgeous. So when I see her, I'm like, wow, I want to be that cool when I grow up. Like when I get older, please let me be as cool as my mother-in-law. Like she rocks. And she's the one that actually had this idea. And I won't say names for, you know, privacy purposes and all that. But my mother-in-law had this brilliant idea. And she's like, I want to track the health of family across the family tree. And I don't know how to go about doing it. And, you know, she started off, she thought, well, maybe we'll just do a form. You know, we'll do a form and I'll, you know, have people fill it out. And as they put their information in there, everybody can kind of look it up and they can kind of see, okay, this is uh, what our relative has. So maybe I should, you know, watch what I'm eating because 10 of our family members have diabetes or something like that. And I thought it was a brilliant idea. And I started off making this form. And I'll be honest, I struggled with the form. I made a date for making this form. And so every time we would talk about it, I would say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about the form. I'm going to showcase something to you in about a week or two. And I kept pushing it off and pushing it off. Not because I didn't want to do it. I was truly inspired by the, the vision that she had. But by putting a date on it, instead of saying, okay, right now we're going to start on something. It kept dragging out. I didn't get around to it. What was supposed to be a day turned into a week, turned into a month, turned into the whole year. Where I have this half-finished form just sitting out there, not published, but just sitting out there, it can't be used. And almost a whole year went by. And all I could think about was throughout the year, some health challenges happened, not just with me, but with family members, particularly, you know, my mother-in-law. She had a sudden pain that happened, a pain that, you know, I'm just going to call it a scare because she's healthy and whole and hasn't had that pain since. And I'm declaring that she will never have that pain again. But this sudden pain happened that would have prevented her from being able to even click and use the form, like a, a pain in her joints. That would have made like even holding a, a, a towel excruciating. And if that was all she was waiting on, what if that was it? God forbid, what if, you know, something had happened where they, you know, a development of something like, I don't know, Parkinson's had happened or something where there's tremors and you can't even hold things straight. Then what? Because I put a date on it and waited. Now they can't endure what they, you know, enjoy what they want to enjoy. I don't want them to do that. I don't want them to endure the suffering of not having that information. So I took the idea. So this is what I did. This is an example of doing something now. I took the inspiration from my mother-in-law and I actually took pieces from some small groups that I'm in. And um, I have an excellent prayer group that I'm a part of. They're the best group I've ever met. And they're so patient and kind with me in spite of my crazy schedule I just adore them. And they 
we're talking about the Big White Family Bible. And if you're in the United States, because I know I have some listeners from the UK, and I love you all in the UK, I want you to know that I absolutely adore you guys. Um, if, if you're in the UK, um, if you're in the US, we have this thing where we have a big white family Bible. It's giant. It's like a, you could like hammer things with that because it's like a big thick Bible. Uh, words are big, but it's just this monstrous book. And this used to be the thing where you would pass down this big old white Bible. Every family had it and it was the family Bible. And the family Bible was just the Bible. Didn't have anything particular in it that was that made it unique. There was nothing in it that made it family oriented. It was just what people call the family Bible. And this family Bible has been used for years as a record keeping uh, log of who was born and who died. And so the way people would use it, we would have you know great great grandma Susie, and grandma Susie would open the front of the Bible where the blank page is. And on that blank page that you have to have in the book, because it's just part of the publishing requirements, they would put the name of the person and their birthday. And when they died, they would write that date of death next to that. And over time, that page would get full. You'd have a whole bunch of people in the family, names, 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 birth dates, and death dates. And that was called the family Bible. And it was supposed to be a way of keeping track of, okay, who's in our family, who died, who lived, you know, so we know who our relatives are. And this is a great, great idea. And it was a great concept, and it's what we had, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I thank God for the family Bible, because for some people, this is all we have. But when I thought about that family Bible, and I thought about the inspiration from my mother-in-law, I thought there has to be more. We need more as a society. We need more than just the date that you were born. I mean, that's fine and good, but how do we know? Like, did you have any kids? Well, which one of these names in this list are your kids? When are they born? Do they have allergies? Are they healthy? Where do they live? Do they Have they done anything cool? Like, they published their own book? They have a TV show? Have they traveled the world? You know, things that you just don't know off the top of your head. But it would be really cool to have that information and pass it down. And I will also say that I have not met anyone yet. Not saying it doesn't happen, because I'm sure it happens somewhere. But I have not met a single grandma that says, Okay, I'm leaving the world here. I want you to have the family Bible. So you can keep track of all the birth and death dates. Not one grandma have I had that said, here's that Bible. Not one. And not only have I had not one grandparent say, here's that that Bible. Even if they passed it down, other than it just being a really nice big version of the Bible, it really isn't going to help me. I've got to decipher handwritings. I've got to figure out. Okay, when you wrote Gene, is you know, if there's five genes in the family, is this Grandma Gene, Aunt Gene, or Little Genie? Like, which one is the gene? Like, I got to try to figure out all of this stuff. And no one wants to, no one's going to do that. Not intentionally. I mean, unless you're just an extreme historian and you really, really love going through that kind of data. 
as analytical as I am, that is where I draw the line. So I was like, we need more. We need to know about those family recipes, you know, about grandma's biscuits. And, you know, the, the, you know, in my family, it would be the pancake recipe that I make. Um, We need to know those things. We need to know all of that. And it needs to be in a format that we can pass down and really make an impact in our, in our future generations. Because we live in a world now where information is hidden. And what do I mean by that? Information is hidden from family members. People don't want to talk about what they're, they've been through health-wise. They just want to put on a front. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And there's nothing wrong with being positive and speaking that you're healthy. Nothing wrong with that. Not saying that you shouldn't speak those things. But when you don't share it with your family, you're actually allowing the illness to spread with no end date. It's kind of like finding out that everyone in the family has, and I'm just going to make up something, um, maybe everyone has MS. And for the past five generations, they've had MS. But no one told you. And then you start developing symptoms. Things that, you know, I don't know, maybe could have prevented. I don't know anything about MS. I'm not a doctor. So if you're listening and you have MS, I know nothing about it. I, you know, I'm a novice. Um, But say, I don't know, say there was... um, uh, a remedy that had come up and I said, hey, if you do these exercises, you know, every day for the first 10 years of your life, then you can prevent it. But because no one shared that information with you, you grow up struggling. And then you end up developing the full-blown disease and then no one says anything until you get it. And they're like, oh yeah, well, you know, all the women in our family have it. Why didn't you say anything? Well, we don't like to talk about it. Don't you think it would have helped me live better? Don't you think it would have given me a chance? If no one ever said that diabetes ran in your family, it would be frustrating to find out that you have it and then find out, oh yeah, everybody in the family has it. Okay, well, I could have prevented it. Maybe I could have eaten less sugar. Maybe I could have exercised more. Maybe I could have had more water. Maybe I could have seen my doctor ahead of time to see if there's something to prevent this from happening to me. You know, when I think about my family, um, I know bits and pieces of our health. Why? Because no one talks about it. But I will say that I learned early on that diabetes was something that ran in the family. So I worked extra hard the moment I heard it. I was a kid when I first found out. And it may sound silly, but the first decision I made when I found out that diabetes ran in the family was I stopped drinking Kool-Aid. I stopped. You know, if you're not in the U.S. and you're like, what the heck is Kool-Aid? It is a flavored drink. It is a, uh, it's pretty much a cup of sugar water with different colors. And they put like a pinch of flavor through this dye in the little season packet. It's like a seasoning packet for water, but 90% of the beverage is sugar. And kids drink it like it is the best thing next to sliced bread. As soon as I found out that diabetes ran in the family, I stopped drinking Kool-Aid. I remember my siblings thought I was crazy. My parents thought I was weird. Um, I would go around parties with friends and they're like, you are so weird. Like you won't drink Kool-Aid and you don't drink sodas. I was like, I just don't want to die. And I just didn't drink these things. And I will say that, you know, as I'm finally up in age, you know, and I'm still young, but 
I've been on this earth for, you know, well, I'll just say I've been here well over 30 years. (laughs) And I've never been fully diagnosed with diabetes. I've come close. Every time I've come close, those are normally seasons where I've had a little bit more dessert than I normally would. And so I'll dial it back and dial it back. And then by the time the doctor does their studies and they do their test on me again, they're like, you know what? Your sugar level's fine. Your glucose is fine. We're going to take you off this medication. You don't need it. Now, can I say that I'm perfectly preventing it? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But what I can say is through the knowledge of knowing that there was a health issue, I was able to prevent some tragedies in my life um, and not develop this illness. And so far, I have not had it. And it's all because I just keep working hard at reducing sugar at every turn. And when I say I'm reducing sugar, there are there's no sugar added jelly. There's no sugar added peanut butter. There's no sugar added ketchup. Like everything I can do. Like I don't I don't buy cookies. I don't buy cakes. Like I, it is rare that I do dessert. And when I do, I try to do the things that are very friendly for the glycemic index, like all this stuff. Why? Because I want to live. This is the power of what happens when you, A, act on what you're resolving to do right away versus waiting. Can you imagine if I had learned about diabetes as a kid and waited till I was 35 to start watching what I eat? I might have been diabetic at 20. I might have been on insulin. Heck, I could have had a really bad issue with the diabetes and lost a foot. Like so many things can happen by waiting. So I'm saying this when I think about saying goodbye 22. Don't wait. Go for it. If it's something you want to do, do it. Do it right now. Commit to it. And that's what I did with this family tree book. I put everything in there so that a family could truly say every bit of information we learn. As we learn it, it puts, it's put in this book. As you find out that Uncle Charlie had gout, right? You can check it down in, in the personal record box in your family tree book. Um, as you find out that uh, your mom had a heart problem, you put that in the family tree book. As you find out, oh, there's a third cousin that we didn't know existed because such and such remarried and had five children by them. You can put all five children in that family tree page. That's why I made that book, so that we have some way to knit together families and give our future generations a chance to succeed. So that's why you want to do stuff now. Now, let's talk about preparing for 2023. And we're actually going to do that right after we come back from a really short break. All right, welcome back to the XL Books Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning back in with me. So we said before the break, we're going to talk about how to prepare for 2023. We spent the first half talking about, you know, just kind of saying uh, goodbye to 2022 and the importance of doing things right now and not waiting for it. Um, And I'll say this before I get into the, the prep for 2023. If 2022 was a great year for you, celebrate that. And I'm saying that because there are so many people that we've lost that have not had a chance to celebrate. They won't be able to say, thank you, God, for bringing me through another year. If you live through New Year's Eve, thank God for that. It doesn't matter if it was a good year or a bad year. You're still here. 
which means you still have a chance to continue in life and to do great things. And the world has a chance to know you. Celebrate that. And I say that because, you know, and this is part of prepping for 2023. Prepping for 2023 doesn't mean that we spend the whole time bad bashing that previous year and not looking forward to anything else. I could, I could easily just complain about the entire year 2022 and say, oh my gosh, I got hit by a car, there were layoffs, I hurt my knee, I had health problems, it was a horrible year. But I could also say, but this was great, I got a promotion this year. I survived every every layoff. I published a book. I'm still with my family. And one of the best Christmases ever. You know, there's so many reasons to be thankful for The first thing you do to prepare for 2023 is you start by thinking of all the good things that happen. And I say this now because you may need time to actually think about it and list it out, especially if it was a rough year. You may need time to say, okay, Lord, what good happened? Help me be positive. I know you say, you know, today's a new day, rejoice and be glad in it, but um, I'm struggling in the rejoice part. Like, ask God. He'll tell you things to remind you of why you should be happy. Um, One of the reasons is you're breathing. You're breathing. If you're breathing, even if it's barely, even if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I got COVID, so I can barely breathe. But you're breathing. You're breathing, which means you're alive, which means there's a chance, which means God can do something for you. Um, So I'm excited that you're breathing because I want you to live and I want you to be on this earth. Start with that. Um... The other thing is start writing the vision. And this is scripture, you know, write the vision, make it plain. If you don't write the vision that God has for you for this year, it won't happen. And you're like, Molly, you're supposed to be encouraging me. I am encouraging you. Um, You have to write the vision. This is why vision board parties are so popular. Everyone and their mom has a vision board party, right? You, you know, you turn around, it's like, yep, vision board, vision board, vision board. We're all going to do a vision board. And I've got sparklies on mine. And I've got glitter on mine. And I've got pictures from this magazine and that magazine. And they're just really big popular things because writing the vision makes it happen. And I won't go into too much, but I'll say this. If you know anything about the law of attraction and... I just really started digging into the law of attraction this year. And for me, I'm I'm really respecting it a whole lot more than I used to. Law of attraction in a nutshell, in Molly's definition, is when you change your thinking, your expectations, and your behavior, and only point your thinking, your expectations, and behavior towards what you want to happen. It's pretty much, it's not just saying, I think I'm going to be a millionaire. It's, no, I am going to be a millionaire. I am a millionaire. I am wealthy. Money loves me. Money is attracted to me. I'm attracted to money. Money is always in my hands. I always have enough and extra. And you say it and you expect it and you start behaving like it's happening. Not meaning you go out and start buying a million dollar house with money that's not in your bank account. But things like, oh no, I don't struggle. I don't struggle because money loves me. Money comes to me. Money flows to me in great volumes and great wealth. And it's always in my hands. 
it's pretty much putting into action its faith with works so that you can manifest the thing that you believe in God for. And over time, the more that you do it, it becomes something that you believe. And when it becomes something that you believe, it becomes ingrained in your heart. And when it becomes ingrained in your heart, it starts coming out of your mouth. And when it starts coming out of your mouth, it starts to happen in reality. Law of Attraction, which I call AKA scripture for um, you have not because you ask not. So, you know, whatever you want to call it, Law of Attraction, Bible, vision, whatever you want to call it, um, writing down what you want and putting it somewhere where you can constantly see it is one of the most powerful ways to make things happen. Now, let's talk about how we do this vision. Let me start by saying this. You don't have to have a vision board party for this to happen. (gasps) Molly, you're dissing the vision board parties. How could you do it? That's so mean. I promise you I'm not trying to be mean. Um, I'm saying this because, number one, everyone listening is not um, of the female uh, gender association. Some people are like, I do not want a frilly, frilly, frou-frou poster board with glitter and paint and markers it just feels, you know, I don't know, elementary school. Some people are like, I am not doing that. I will also say this. Magazines. People don't buy magazines like they used to. I know that you probably don't want to hear it, but they don't. Back in the day, back in the 80s, oh my gosh, magazines were everything. Everybody and their mom had a magazine. And you had them in abundance. Even if you didn't buy magazines, magazines were coming to your door with free subscriptions. And here, we'll give you this for six months, for a year, for this, for this, for this. But no one sits and reads magazines physically anymore. Why? Because everything you need is online. The internet has literally taken over. So it's not that there aren't any magazines, but finding them is really hard. You almost have to go to like a recycling company and find them. Heck, even getting a phone book is hard to get. They come once a year, and even that's gotten smaller. I remember years ago when the yellow pages used to be this thick, like, three-inch volume of every number of everybody. People don't do it anymore. So now it's shrunk from this three-inch volume to, like, a half-an-inch thing that only mostly has businesses and maybe little coupons and ads that they have. And they make it like, you know, magnets to put on your fridge, you know, and it's really become just an advertisement book. Because no one puts their phone numbers out there. And people don't have landline phones anymore. They have cell phones. So the the era of magazines and things like telephone books where you could just pick these things up and cut them out and put them on your vision board, it's becoming scarce. Really, really scarce. So to have a vision board party, you almost have to just print everything off online and say, I want to go here. Let me print that off from Google. Let me print this off from Waze or something. And that's what's happening. So that's why I say you don't have to have a vision board party to write the vision. I'm going to give you two different ideas of how you can do it. And this, these are things that I do. The first thing you can do is you can have a dry erase board or a, what do you call them? Um, these little cork boards. You can have a cork board if you're like one of those people that you're not a fan of dry erase boards. I actually made a dry erase board two years ago because I wanted... I didn't just want a dry erase board. I wanted something that really met my needs. I wanted something personal. I wanted something 
that the dates were formatted the way I wanted, the calendar looked the way I wanted it, but I wanted a note section, a to-do section, I wanted a whatever I feel like writing section, and I didn't want to spend $50, $60 to get it. I was not going to Office Depot and spending, you know, almost, you know, uh, you know, $100 on a fancy dry erase board that wasn't 100% of what I wanted. So I designed it myself. And so, you know, and it's very easy to do. If you have a Sharpie and a ruler and an imagination, you can make your dry erase board whatever you want. Get some rubbing alcohol, rub all the stuff off of that dry erase board, and then use your Sharpie and build that board the way that you want to. And what's great is once you do it, it's there. I do recommend designing it with dry erase marker first to make sure you love the design. And then when you're done, you can erase like line by line and go over it with the permanent marker. So just saying, um, cause I had to redo mine like three times. <laughs> so, um, I have a dry erase board and I have a big block in the middle of that dry erase board. That's just blank. It doesn't say notes. It doesn't say to do, it doesn't say anything. It's just for whatever I want to write. And I actually use that space to write the word that God gave me for the next year. And God gives me a lot of things for the, the upcoming year, but I'll find like what I call the theme of what he said, and I will put that in that block. And why do I do that? Because I know throughout the year, I'm always going to go to that board. Why? Because I'm always working because I don't know how to sit myself down. So I know I'm going to constantly be looking at it for work purposes. And as I'm going through it for work, I'm constantly reminded of what did God say this year? And I do that on purpose because I need God infused in every area of my life. And I especially need God infused in the areas where 90% of my time is taken up. And so for me, you know, like this year for 2022 was the year of unforeseen change. That was what God spoke to me for our household. And he said, this is the year of unforeseen change, but fear not, your foundation will not be rattled. I have a way of escape out of every single situation. Do not stress. But this is going to be a year where unforeseen things are going to happen. That you're like, oh my gosh. But I'm with you. I've got your back. I don't fail. I don't buckle. I don't bend. And so I was energized knowing that no matter what happens, God is with me. And he's not going to skip out on what he promised me. So I wrote in that big block on a dry erase board year of unforeseen change, fear not, God's got my back. And I wrote that there so that if I don't remember anything else God said for 2022, I had it there. And that is what I used as my my cornerstone for the year. As month three and four go by and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's already a slow year. What is going on? Oh yeah, this is what he said for the year. Let me hold on to that. Um, or I'm starting to pray, God, I don't know what's happening. That's right. You said this is the year of unforeseen change. God, uh, when are you going to make the way out of no way for this one? God, um, I'm trusting that you've got my back because you said that you've got my back in this year of unforeseen change. Like that was my constant reminder. That is a way of writing a vision. I also put in that same block little things that I wanted. Things like, you know, I want to get a raise this year. I wanted to have an increase of like, ten thousand dollars and I got like fifteen thousand dollars as the raise you know I wrote like you know I want to publish a book this year and I did before the year was over 
I wrote like, okay, I want my kids to all have A's and B's. Um, you know, and there were many times this year, there were times this year where they did have it. I won't say many because there were days where I'm like, "Mm, those grades, but (laughs) there were many times this year where they did do that. I wrote things like, okay, I want my business to pick up and I want to make at least this much this year from my business. You know, I said, I want to make like, I don't know, close to, um, five grand this year with my business. And I think I made like two, two and a half grand or something like that. Like you just write those things right there. And that way it's not frilly. And if you're a guy and you're like, I don't want to do frilly, that's a way to put the vision out there, keep it in front of you, keep it generic, but it's something that can work for you. And what's great is you can put these dry erase boards in your office cubicles. They don't have to be big. They can be small. You can even put a post-it note and put the post-it note on your dry erase board and have it stuck to the bottom frame of it. And that way, as you're writing your calendar of when you're doing your meetings in the office, you're constantly looking at, oh yeah, this is the year that I finally get that raise. This is the year where I buy that house. This is the year where my family member gets healed. This is the year where I lose the weight. Whatever it is you want to do, write it there and put it where you constantly see it. It happens, I'm telling you. Um, I'm actually increasing one of the resolutions I had. I had a resolution last year where I said, I want to make, you know, you know, I'm just going to make up a number. I want to make 5000 a month. But I didn't say if that was after taxes <laughs> or before. So like before taxes, yeah, after taxes, I'm like, oh, we didn't make that much. So I'm like, okay, God, then that means I need to make, I need to increase that number. And I need to make sure that I clarify, I want to make this much after taxes. So that's one way to do it. If you are not a dry erase board person, get a cork board. What is, what is a cork board? They're those big old wooden-like boards where you kind of take push pins and you can kind of put uh, papers on them. You see them in colleges. You see them in little, um, you know, hallways of like um, libraries and stuff. And people put up all their ads and stuff on there and they just pin it up there. That's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. Put those, write those things on a post note, get a piece of paper, get printer paper if you don't have any, buy one of the kids' children's um, uh, spiral notebooks from the Dollar Tree, and just write what you want to write. Write everything. I will also say this. Don't give yourself limits in what you write on the vision board. One of the biggest things that I've always failed in was, you know, those vision boards, they're limited in space. They really are. And unless you're writing individual paragraphs... You know, you're trying to like, okay, I only have room for like five big pictures and you start trying to find little stuff and little letters and you're like trying to squeeze in everything and there's more stuff in your heart, but you just didn't get it out. When you have like a cork board or a dry erase board, you can really let all those things out. Write a paragraph if you need to. If you need to, write five pages of it and tape those pages to that board. Don't give yourself limits. That's where I went wrong. Where everywhere that I limited myself is where I did not receive what I wanted. So write that whole thing in entirety. So that's two ways. I know I said I was going to give you two ways. I'm going to give you a third way. And this is something I'm actually implementing this year. So when it's finished, I'm going to let you know how it came out. I am actually making a vision wall. And you're like, what is a vision wall? So I've learned because my, my family... I'm a family of four, and my husband has visions. My kids have dreams. I have dreams. And it's no longer sufficient to just write the vision in a little tiny block on a dry erase board. 
and a cork board is fine, but we need room. I want our vision wall to be a constant source of inspiration. Something that when we look around and we're like, okay, so what do we do? How do we make it? How do we thrive? How do we make this our vision wall? I want them to constantly walk by and see it and say, that's right. We're going to do this this year. We're going to we're going to travel. We're going to Hawaii. We're going all these places. We're putting it out there and everyone could see the family vision. You know, and I think for me, it's a way of unifying our family. If you have a vision, but your spouse has a completely different vision, this is a good time to collaborate. That vision wall can help put you two together. Um, Because a lot of times we have dreams and as long as things are okay in the finance arena, we don't think about the fact that maybe we should talk with our loved ones and see if we're in sync. You know, as believers, you know, that's something we just lose a lot of times. And we're just like, well, I'm I'm fine. You know, whatever my wife wants to do, I, su- I support her. Whatever my hubby wants to do, I support him. But we don't think about, okay, maybe your hubby wants to move to Texas and you hate Texas and you want to live in New York. This would be a good time to collaborate. And that vision wall is going to pull those things out because you'll see his vision, her vision, and you're like, oh, maybe we should collaborate, figure out where we want to go as a family and then put that up there. Because what you don't want is God to answer both questions and you're like, okay, we got a job offer in Texas and we got a job offer in New York and one of you is happy and one of you is miserable. You don't want that. So collaborate as a family, use the vision wall. I am going to get very creative with mine. I'm going to have one section of wall. When I say a section, I'm not taking an entire wall and dedicating it for the vision. Why? Because I don't need an entire wall like that. Now, if I have my mansion that I'm going to have, that would be different. I'd have a vision room, but um, it would be a vision slash, slash inspiration room, and I would have all my inspiring things in there. But I don't have that, so I'm going to take a corner of wall, like a piece of wall, like uh, maybe one of those odd spaces, like in between hallways where you're like, there's a piece of wall here, but I don't know, I guess we'll hang a picture that's the wall you use. I'm going to put like a little um, easy little wallpaper or something on it. And then on top of that, I'm going to have um, little, you know, pins or nails or little hooks is actually what I want to do, little hooks. And I'm going to put little hooks on it and I'm going to take some paper and I'm going to hole punch it in those papers. And then we're going to write what we want and we're going to hang it on those hooks. And it'll be, these are, this is Zion's vision. This is my, Micah's vision, Steve's vision, my vision. And everything is there. And that way, as I'm walking by throughout the year, I can constantly see it. And if I want to add stuff to it, I can keep adding to it. And everything that I'm writing there is visible. And I may do it different. Maybe I'll use like the little wall putty tape or something. But the point is to have something tangible that you constantly see. One of the biggest downfalls of New Year's resolutions is that that vision is not constantly before your eyes. Don't put it somewhere that you're not going to go very often. Be bold. Put it in your bathroom on the wall. Put it on the back of your bathroom door. You're like, really? I don't want to see that when I'm going to the bathroom. But you're constantly going to see it because you're going to be there. Don't put it in the, the reading room that you're supposed to be writing your book and you never go in that room. Put it where you always see it. Put it in where, where your clothes are. Put it in your laundry room. Put post-it notes in your car. 
I've done that before. I've littered the entire dashboard with post-it notes before. Just coded it. Why? Because I'm in my car every day. I'm not going to miss that. I wrote it down, put it in a piece of paper, and I started taping it to the dashboard, taping it to the steering wheel, you know, taping it to the door of the car, wherever I need to put it, so that as I'm in that car, I'm constantly seeing the vision. Put it before your eyes where you can't miss it. And my last tip for getting ready for the next year is have a positive expectation. What you think becomes your reality. The energy you put out in the world is what you're going to get back. If you have an amazing vision board or vision wall and your energy towards it is that'll never happen, then it won't. Approach the year with energy. Approach it with positivity. And I'll say this. This is my little tip and then I'll let this, uh, this little topic go. Have a monthly checkup with yourself every month during the year. And you're like, what monthly checkup? Am I going to the doctor? No, you're not going to the doctor. Have a monthly checkup and say, okay, it's been one month. How am I doing on this vision? How am I doing on that resolution? Have I started it? Okay, what, what can I do today to start this resolution? And I say monthly because weekly is too much for everybody. Now, if you're one of those determined people, please check in with yourself every seven days. You'll really go far. But just have something where you go every month, okay, it's been a month. Have I written anything about this book yet? No? Okay. I'm writing something today, even if it's just two sentences. I'm going to write it, and I'm going to get an accountability partner. Um, You know, if you say, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. Okay, get an accountability partner. I don't have any friends. Okay, great. Get an app. They have apps where they have um, buddies they'll do that. Start a small group for that. Um, You know, instead of starting all these groups to sell products and things and sell services and business things all the time, why don't you create a group on Facebook or wherever you're at and say, hey, I work out at this gym on these days from this time to this time. Who wants to join me? I need a partner. And there are people that will join because they want someone to work out with who's not going to give them judgment. You know, start a group. There's literally endless possibilities to help you reach your goals. But it starts with your mindset, approaching it positively, writing it down, and constantly checking in with yourself so that vision doesn't die. If you're not looking at the vision every day, if you're not checking in with yourself about that vision, it won't happen. Do those things and you're going to see miraculous fruit in your life. Okay, that is all I have. I am so excited for you guys for 2023. I will talk to you next year. Until then, I want to just do a quick little prayer over each and every one of you. God, I thank you for each and every listener. I thank you that they've made it through 2020 through 2022. Bless them, bless their homes, bless their families, bless their finances, bless everything that their hand touches. I ask that their next year is prosperous fruitful, healthy, victorious, that they don't just survive in this next year, but they thrive. Let everything that is in their heart that you have blessed God, let it come to pass in great mighty ways. I speak that this year is going to be the best year they've ever had. In Jesus name. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, be blessed. 
Thank you for listening to the Excel Books Podcast with Molly. You can find more helpful resources and services at xclbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please send us a message at xelbooks.com or email xelbooks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again next time for more tips on work, family, and life.